I want to start out by just uh, saying to the Stoll family that our hearts are with you guys. I know that a lot of us are praying for them right now. And sometimes prayer is the best thing you can do. Even if you don't know what to say, you can always pray to God. And not only is sometimes prayer the best thing you can do, sometimes it's really the only thing you can do. Because there's times in life where you have a grief that only God can comfort, or you have a void that only God can fill, or that you're somebody who has an illness that only God can heal, or you've got a marriage that only God can save, or you've got a kid that only God can rescue, you've got an addiction that only God can free you from. Like there's sometimes where we, we need a miracle. And the good news is this, is you and I believe in a God who does miracles. We believe that Jesus Christ can heal any sickness, change any person, heal any heart. He can transform any marriage. He can meet any need. There's nothing that's impossible for God. In fact, we're going to look at a passage today where Jesus says this. All things are possible for the one who what? So like all things, that's like a lot of things. So how many things are possible? All things for the one who believes. But what about this? What about if that belief part's a little difficult for you right now? How about if you're someone who's already prayed and prayed and the illness hasn't gotten better and the marriage hasn't been saved and the child hasn't been rescued and the addiction hasn't been broken? Like after a while, that can kind of suck some of the faith out of your life. Today, we're going to look at a story of a guy who needs a miracle. He comes to Jesus for help. Jesus tells him this. We're going to look at Mark chapter 9. Jesus tells him this, and his response is this. He says that, I believe, but help my what? So, which one is it, sir? <laughs> do you believe or do you not believe? Because both of those words are in the sentence. So is it possible to do both at the same time? Like meaning, is it possible the part of you believes that God can do anything? Because his word says so, but on the other hand, you kind of struggle with doubt, you struggle with unbelief. If you're somebody who's ever struggled with unbelief, we're going to look at a passage that I hope will be really helpful for you today, and it's in Mark chapter 9. So if you guys have your Bible, let's turn to Mark chapter 9. And I want to just go and I want to work through that passage a little bit. And so Jesus and three of his disciples are up on a mountain where Christ is transfigured. They come back down to the other nine disciples. What are the other nine disciples doing? Well, they're in an argument with some of the religious leaders of their day. And so it picks up in verse 14. When they came to the disciples, they saw a crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up and greeted him. And he asked them, well, what are you arguing with them about? And the disciples don't answer. The scribes don't answer. Instead, this guy that's in the crowd steps forward and kind of reminds everybody why they're apparently in the middle of this big argument anyway. And so this guy in verse 16, when he asked them, what are you arguing with them about? Someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you. So I want to think about that phrase, bringing someone to Jesus in a minute. I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whatever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I ask your disciples to cast him out, but he says they were not able. So I think about this here. Here's a guy that he's coming to Jesus for help. He needs a miracle. He gets there, and at least for the first go-around, it doesn't work. Like his son stole the same. He shows up looking for Jesus. He ends up with the disciples. The disciples try to help his son get better. The son doesn't get better. So at this point, nothing has changed. So what happens next? Jesus hears this, and he says to the guy, he answered him, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. So that's kind of a good thought right there. That what do you do with someone that people can't help? Like, if anybody could help, you think it would be the disciples. Like, next to Jesus, they're probably, like, the most, you know, in the best place to be able to help somebody with a problem like this. But, like, even the best people can't help your son. What do you do with someone like that? What do you do with that illness that won't go away or that marriage that won't change or that person that won't change? Jesus says, bring it to me. Bring the boy to me. So they bring the boy to Jesus, and then 
when he brings him to Jesus, verse 20, the guy does what the dad said the problem was. So when they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him immediately, it convulsed the boy. So it sounds like pretty intense, right? Pretty violent. He convulsed the boy. He fell on the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. So Jesus sees this, and as we'll see in a minute, he's going to ask a question. How long, has he, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, since childhood. And it is often cast him into the fire, into the water, destroy him. But if you can do anything, notice the language there? Because Jesus did, right? It says, but if you can do it, not since you can do anything, you know, have, please have compassion on us. But if you can do anything, please uh, have compassion on us and help us. So Jesus picks up on the if you can. Jesus said, if you can, all, and here's that verse, all things are possible for the one who believes. And then here's the dad's response. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my what? Unbelief. Okay, sour patch kids, are they sweet or sour? They're both, right? How about salted caramel, sweet or salty? Both. So can something be two things at the same time? Yeah, or what about emotions? Let's say you're starting a new job tomorrow. Could you be both excited to start the new job, but also kind of scared at the same time? Or how about like in a relationship? Like, I love you, but right now I can't stand your face. Any of you married or anything like that? <laughs> uh, or ever been married? So like, can two things be going on inside you at the same time? Apparently for this dad, the answer is yeah. And what's interesting is this, is he has enough faith to come to Jesus for help, but once he's there, it doesn't sound like he's completely convinced Jesus can do this. It's kind of like someone who has enough faith to show up at church on Sunday morning because they really do believe in Jesus Christ, but now that they're here, do they really believe that Christ can change their life? This guy says, I believe, but also, apparently he struggles with unbelief. So I believe, um, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him, and never what? So Jesus is going to fix the problem, he's going to fix it forever. Like, never come back into him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and the guy arose. So I want to think about what this dad says when he... Um, when he says, I, I believe, but I don't believe. And I want to look to what's happening here because when the disciples, so the disciples aren't able to help. And at the end of the story, they asked Jesus a really good question, like, well, why, why couldn't we do it? Why didn't it work? And so in verse 28, when he had entered the house, the disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything except for one thing. And what is it? So sometimes the very best thing you can do is what? pray. Sometimes the only thing you can do is pray. It won't come out by anything except prayer, which is kind of interesting because if this will not come out by anything by prayer, it kind of begs the question, up to that point, what have the disciples been doing to try to get the demon out? I mean, apparently it wasn't praying, right? That's right. So when Jesus comes down the mountain, does he find them praying? No, he finds them what? Arguing. Arguing with the religious leaders of the day. Is arguing about the problem going to make it better? Is arguing with people who aren't even part of the problem going to make it bigger, better? Did Jesus say this kind only comes out by arguing? Like think about something in your life, a sin in your life that won't change, an attitude that you know is wrong in your life that won't change, a relationship that won't change, some person that won't change. Like just think about something that it just won't go away. And at this point, maybe it's frustrating. At this point, maybe it's causing arguments. And it's like, it, no longer is it about this thing anymore. It's just like going all over the place. What does Jesus say when he, so 
Think about the situation Jesus steps into. He steps into a situation where there's all this arguing going on. And he goes like, well, what is this all about? And then in that, you find out, well, it started with a guy who had a problem, came for help, and it didn't work. And now for some reason, we don't know what they were arguing about, but everybody's arguing about it. So if I've got something like that in my life, what did Jesus tell me to do with that? He says, bring the boy to me. That thing that you're not able to fix, that thing that arguing is not able to fix, the thing that all this heated emotion is not able to fix, bring the boy to me. So Jesus says this doesn't get fixed by anything except by prayer. And that's what prayer is. It's an opportunity to bring a person to Jesus. It's an opportunity to bring a problem to Jesus. It's an opportunity to bring a need to Jesus. If this thing will not get fixed by anything but prayer, bring the boy to me, Jesus says. This morning, is there something or someone that you need to bring to Jesus? Knowing that, with God, all things are possible. And even think about what happened here. So the dad... He, he, he comes to Jesus for help. So let's go ahead and I'm going to go to um, here in verse 17. He, he comes to Jesus for help. He says, I brought my son to you, but at the first go around, does his son get better? No. He says, I brought my son to you, but at the end of verse 18, they were not able to help. Who were the they? The disciples. So even think about that. Think about coming to Jesus for help and ending up not with Jesus, but with his followers who are not able to help. So today, let's say there's somebody who doesn't go to church, they don't believe in God, but they get to a point where they realize, like this guy, they need God's help. Where's a place they may show up looking for God's help? Here, right? Maybe they're going to show up at church. So they come to church looking for the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-living God of the universe, and then they get here and they meet us. <laughs> like right away, there's a, an opportunity for slight disappointment. And maybe like in this story, we do our best to help that person. Let's say that person's marriage is falling apart or they're caught in some sort of an addiction and we do our best to help that person. But at the end of the day, the, what verse 18 ends with is true of what it ends with us. We're not able to help them. It would be possible for that person to believe. It wouldn't be correct. It would be possible for that person to believe that they gave God a chance and it didn't work. But it wasn't God that let them down it was his followers that let him down. Maybe you're somebody who's been disappointed by God's followers, by God's people. And when you listen to that person's story, it's the same story here in verse 17. I brought you, my son, but these people over here weren't able to help me. And somehow maybe that, maybe that affects your faith. Maybe it leaves you with a if-you-can sort of a faith. I've tried before, it didn't work out. God's people let me down, it didn't work out. So Jesus hears what's happening. He says to the, um, the group, so I don't know in verse um, verse 19, when he says, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? Was he speaking to the crowd? Was he speaking to the, spirits, or the scribes? Was he speaking to the guy, the dad, the disciples? Who was he speaking to? You know, everybody, I'm not sure. But he says, how long? And so what kind of a generation? Yeah, because there's a theme about believing in this passage, right? O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. So they bring the boy to Jesus. When the spirit saw him, immediately convulsed the boy. He fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming in his mouth. Jesus looks at this pretty intense thing happening, and does he immediately heal the boy? No, he asks a question. It's kind of an interesting question. Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And the dad's answer is, 
from childhood. So if I, let's say your somebody struggles with depression, and I come up to you and I say, hey, how long has this been an issue? And you use that phrase, from childhood, like that's pretty much saying as long as you remember. It's pretty much saying your entire life. Now, think about something that you struggled with your entire life. Maybe it's anger, maybe it's jealousy, maybe it's some sin that you struggled with. Like as long, far back as you can remember, you struggled with this. Or maybe it's some relationship that as long, far back as you can remember, like it's always been problems, it's always been struggles, it's always been difficulty. It's been going on for like that long of a time. Here's a dad that's had a problem. It says, from childhood, it seems to indicate he's not a boy anymore. Like ever since back then, he's had this problem. Up to that point, what had the dad done to make things better? I don't know. Up to that point, how many times before did the dad try to make things better? I don't know. But here's what I do know. However many times it was, it never worked. Whatever different things he tried, it never worked. Meaning, up to that point, every single time this dad got his hope up, it didn't work. Every time up to that point, where the dad kind of felt like, hey, maybe this is the thing that's going to change things, it didn't work. Even when the dad first brought his son to Jesus, it didn't work. I brought you my son, they weren't able to help me. Like, think about something like that in your life that's just been gone on forever, and you prayed, and you prayed, and you prayed, and you tried, and you tried, and you tried, and up to this point, it hasn't changed. After a while, it can affect your faith. It can leave you with an if-you-can faith. I've had people like that in my life, family members. Like, I pray for them, like, they'll come to know Christ, and it's like, Decades go by and they don't. And it's just like, I, I know God can do it, but I don't kind of know if anything's ever going to change here. Like I'm 60, I just turned 60 this year. So I have like, you know, little health things. I won't bore you with the details. Um, but like I have high cholesterol. I've had it for decades. And almost every single day, I pray that God would heal me this high cholesterol. This morning I woke up and I prayed that God would heal me this high cholesterol. And it's gotten a little bit better, but it's still really high cholesterol. And one of the things I realized about my prayers, and, and Jesus is going to hit the dad up on the language of his request here in a minute, and so prayer is a request to God. One of the things I realized about the language of my request and just sort of like the hopefulness of my request is there's not a lot of faith in there anymore. Like, it, at this point, I kind of just feel like I'm probably going to have high cholesterol for the rest of my life. I'm kind of not expecting anything to change anymore at this point. Like, if you were to come up to me after the service and say, hey, Mike, I heard you had high cholesterol, I'm going to pray for you. Like, I'd be really appreciative but I don't know if I go home thinking like, it's going to happen. They're going to pray for me tomorrow. I'm going to wake up without high cholesterol just because up to this point it hasn't changed. And some of you have stuff like that in your life and you have people like that in your life that you've prayed for day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade and zero has changed. It can leave you with an if you can faith. It can leave you with a I believe, but help me with my unbelief, God. Because there's like part of me that just like really is struggling at this point to believe that anything good's going to happen in this situation. God, you're good, but it seems like, you know, things don't hear, change down here. What can you do if you're in a place like that? What does Jesus want to say to somebody who's in a place like that? So the, in this story here, he, he says, uh, he uses that phrase, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. How does Jesus respond to his request? So there's his prayer request. If you can do anything, please have compassion on us and help us. What does Jesus do in response to his prayer request? First thing he does is he calls him out on the, the words that are part of that prayer request, right? He says to him, 
if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Is it possible that the phrasing, I guess that's a good word, the phrasing, the language, the wording of our prayer requests reveals something about the faith of our prayer requests? I think so. So, like, let's say somebody's sick, and I'm going to pray for them. Here's some things I would pray for for that person sometimes. I pray, you know, God, please give the doctor's wisdom. God, please guide the surgeon's hand. You know, prayers like that. God, please help them to have a quick recovery. You know what I don't always pray for that person who's sick? I don't say, God, heal him miraculously right here, right now. Well, why not? Why don't I start with that? And then if God doesn't miraculously heal them, then we pray for wisdom for the doctors, surgeons to have their hands going in the right direction, all that kind of stuff. Maybe it's because I don't expect anything miraculous to happen in this situation. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of thinking like if God's going to help them, it's going to be like through the surgery and the doctors and the testing that they do. And those are all good things and those are all wonderful things to pray for. But, and there's reasons that we maybe don't pray. God, miraculously heal them right here, right now. Maybe we don't want to presume upon God's will. That's a good thing. Maybe we don't want to raise false hopes. That's a good thing because after all, we would want people to hope in Jesus, right? And no, I'm joking, but I mean, there's, there's reasons maybe that we do the, the good reasons, but as part of it, all I want to say is this. Can the language, the things we pray for, how we pray for, what we pray for, reflect the faith of our prayers? And I think the answer is yeah. So Jesus calls him on that. He says, if you can. And then he gives to the dad what should be a really faith-building truth. He says, all things are possible for the one who what? Yeah, believes. So if I'm that person who's struggling with faith, what does Jesus say to me? If I'm that person who's tried before and it hasn't worked, what does Jesus say to me? If I'm that person who's just been let down by his followers, what does Jesus say to me? He reminds me of something that's true. All things are possible for the one who believes. And the reason all things are possible for the one who believes is because all things are possible for God. Some of you have been through a lot in life. And the hardships and the heartaches and all the hurts of life have knocked some of the faith out of you. Maybe you're somebody who started out believing God could do all things. And you still believe that, at least on a mental level, because his word says that. But some of that expectation, some of, some of the faith, hope, and love has been knocked out of your life. If you're that person who has an if-you-can faith, if you're that person who kind of struggles to believe, what can you do? So what I want to do this morning is I want to share four responses that we can have when our faith is struggling. And the first one is this is remember that all things are possible with God. So before anything else happens in the conversation, the, the first thing Jesus says to this person is he reminds them that, hey, all things are possible for God. Do you guys believe that? Yeah. Those of you that have been Christians for a long time, do you still believe it? Yeah. Do you believe he can heal any sickness, change any life, transform any heart, save any marriage? Because Jesus is telling us all things are possible for the one who believes. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to remember that all things are possible. And it's a theme in the Bible that all things are possible with God, that nothing is too hard for God. So you have passages like in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, with God, how many things are possible? All things. Luke chapter 1, verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. I know a lot of us know that. I know that I know that. But I need to be reminded of that. Especially when I've come off a string of disappointments especially when I'm going through a season of discouragement. Okay, so first thing is, I'm going to listen to what Jesus says. I'm going to say, all things are possible for the one who believes. So does this guy believe? Does he not believe? 
So let's take a look at his, his, his response again. Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my what? Yeah, unbelief. So which one is it? I want to camp out on this verse here for a minute. So which one is it? Is it possible to do both at the same time? And if I am somebody who struggles with unbelief, what can I do about it? So one is I can remember that all things are possible for God. But notice, so notice, this is the guy's response to the statement. So Jesus didn't say, you know, I sense your faith is struggling. I mean, he, he, he indicates that by making this statement, by calling him out on the language. But the, the guy's looking, so, the, so, so Jesus says, all things are possible for the one who believes. The guy's looking at his own life and saying, you know what, that's right. I, I mean, you caught me on that word. I should have said, since you can do all things, maybe, but... It makes me realize that I do have some doubt in, in my heart. What does the guy do? Well, one of the things he does that I think is really wise is this. He admits it. Like, how do we know that this guy had doubt? Because he tells us. But he doesn't tell us, he tells who? Jesus, he throws it out there. He goes, I do believe, but there's also this part of me that doesn't believe. And so... I want to share some thoughts today about if you're that person who's struggling with doubt right now. So the first thought is, number one, is to remember that all things are possible with God. And number two is admit that you struggle. If you're somebody who struggles with belief, admit it. Like right now, just say, God, I'm that person who's had a little bit of the faith, hope, and love beat out of my life. I'm that person who's gone through just some real discouragement, God, and that discouragement and those hardships, it, it, the thing is, it changes nothing about you, God. You're good. And you're worthy of our trust, and you're worthy of my faith. But right now, God, I'm just... I don't know, I'm just not there where I need to be with my trust in you right now. I'm, I'm not there where I need to be with my belief in you. So, so I'm going to admit my unbelief. Okay, so I'm going to admit that I struggle with unbelief. What's the next thing that I can do? So in this passage here, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. So he not only admits he doesn't believe, but he asks for something. What does he ask for? Help. He makes a request of Jesus, help my unbelief. And the word help, it's kind of an interesting word. And so the New Testament is written in Greek, and it's this Greek word that comes from two different words, the word cry and the word run. So that word help means, it, it, it's connected to crying and running. Like, what, how do those things get connected? Like this. A person cries for help, and then the other person runs to the rescue. So it means to run to the aid of someone who needs help. And so, like, what a great picture. Somebody who's, you're, maybe you started out full of faith, hope, and love. At this point, some of that faith's been knocked out of you, and you got that unbelief in your heart, and you realize, you know what? I, I shouldn't be like this, but I can't change it on my own, God. I need you to help me. Jesus, would you run to my rescue right now and take this thing out of me? Would you run to my rescue and save me from this unbelief? Would you run to my rescue and help me, Lord, help my unbelief? So that's what the dad asked for. So what can I do if I'm struggling with faith? Is Number one is just remember who God is. Remember that all things are possible with God. Number two, admit that you struggle. And then number three, cry out to God to rescue you from that unbelief. Okay, so how many of you are married? Raise your hand. How many of you at least have been in love? And you can raise your hand for both, by the way. That's okay if you want to. I don't know. I don't have to go, I'm married. Which one is? Married or are you in love? 
well, I just noticed a lot of hands went down when I said vanilla. <laughs> so uh, I'm just making observations. So let's go back to that. I love you, but right now I can't stand your face. If you're in that place where you're experiencing that, I love you, but I can't stand your face, there's two things going on inside of you. There's the I love you part, and there's the I can't stand your face part. But the fact that there's those two parts going on inside of you indicates there's actually a third thing going on inside of you. Meaning this. There's the I love you part, there's the I can't stand your face part, and then there's this third part that recognizes both those parts are there. Does that make sense? The fact that I can stand back and see those two things means there's the I love you, I can't stand your face, and then the third part of me that can stand back and see that those two things are present in my life. And it's that third part of me that gets to make a choice. And the choice is I can decide which part to go with. I can either go with the I love you part and make this marriage work, or I can go with the I can't stand your face part and say we're done. I got a choice to make. This dad had a choice to make. There's a part of him that believes, there's a part of him that doesn't believe, and then there's a part of him that gets to choose which one of those two he's going to go with. So when we look at that, that passage, maybe, yes, with PowerPoint. So, so I have, if you guys have, hopefully you have your Bibles, let's take a look at the passage. So when he says, um, I believe, help my, help, me, help my unbelief, in that passage, there's two things. There's a declaration and there's a request. He says, I believe, that's the declaration, and then there's a request, help me with my unbelief. So if, I, if I'm that person, let's see if I can go to the next slide now. So if I'm that person, the very last phrase there, at verse 24, I believe, help my unbelief. So if I'm the dad, I have a choice to make. My question to you is this, as you look at that last phrase, did he make his choice? Yeah, he did, didn't he? So he's looking at his life, there's belief and unbelief, and which one does he choose? He chooses belief. He says, I picked this one. I believe God helped me with this one. I got these two things going on in my life. This is what I'm about. This is who I am. I believe. And then here's what I need you to do. Help me with this other part over here. This part stays, this part goes, but in order for this part to go, Jesus, I need you to help me. He makes a choice. So what can you do for that person this morning who up to this point, you've just been really struggling with faith? Remember, remember who Jesus is. Remember that he can do anything. Admit that you struggle. Ask God's help with that struggling. And then the next thing I want to share is just this. Choose to believe in Jesus Christ, the one for whom all things are possible. Make a decision. Today, I believe Jesus. I believe in the one who can say to the storm, be still. I believe in the one who can part the oceans in half and make the walls fall down. I believe the one who can give sight to the blind and cause the lame to walk again. I believe in Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. I believe in Jesus Christ, the one who rose victoriously from the grave to whom I belong. Jesus, this morning, I believe in you. It's a chance just to recommit ourselves to that faith. Maybe you're someone who's gone through a lot of hardships in life. You've gone through a lot of things that have caused doubt, that have caused some discouragement. This morning is a morning to remember who Jesus is, admit you struggle with the guilt, ask for God's help, and just declare your faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus, 
I do believe. This morning, would you be willing to proclaim your faith in Christ? Would you be willing to remember that he is the one that, for whom all things are possible? Because if so, let's do that right now in prayer. Would you pray with me? God, thank you that you are a great and an awesome God, that you are worthy of our faith, you're deserving of our faith, you're always good, always trustworthy, always faithful. God, that we can fully believe in you. And God, I want to pray right now for those of us who struggle with doubts, Lord, that you just cause faith to rise up in our hearts. Lord, that you'd open our eyes to be able to just see who you are. And God, I want to pray for people in this room who need a miracle. Lord, I want to pray for people who are dealing with something that only you can do, God, that this would be a morning that we could reach out to you and trust, that we could bring the boy to you, knowing that with you all things are possible. And right now as we're praying, if you're somebody who needs to reach out to God, just take a moment to do that. What is it that you want to ask God for this morning? If you're struggling with faith, take a moment to admit that and ask God's help. But most of all, just say, Jesus, I believe. I believe in you. And Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.